Welcome to the Darkness Wells podcast, episode 62. I am Jason White, and uh, I think I have somebody here with me. It's Michael Schutz. Hello Yay! out there. <laughs> so I see you resolved your uh, your phone issue. I did. I yeah. did. You know, the uh, government got suspicious and they cut me off. Wow. No, not really. That's not really what happened. <laughs> no, no. Don't try to cover up now, Michael. Yes, but, but, but I, did, I did figure that out. So. We know that you had to move this past week and you had to change your name and <laughs> you you're you're not supposed to say that i told you that in confidence <laughs> sorry about that you might well, have to no, do it you're again gonna have anyway. to move because <laughs> i'm coming after you <laughs> all right so uh so how's your week been oh it's been uh it's been hot talking about i guess that's our recurring theme lately but it's been another melty day but um other than that, you know, the big the big topic is Netflix and Stranger Things and yeah. you know, I I watched it, I finished it like like everyone out there. And uh boy, you know, finding finding something that good is is just like a like a good perk. Yeah, a perk it is. up, you is know? It, so it, I love it when shit like that happens because uh, kind yeah. of well, this uh kind of came out of left field like all the best things do. <laughs> and uh Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. I watched the whole thing, too. That's kind of rare for me. Uh, it, it coincided, though, with my vacation. So that was a really good coincidence. <laughs> yeah, that's very fortuitous. And uh, and happy Other vacation, by the way. Oh, thank you. Otherwise, I'd probably be on, like, episode two, maybe three now, and, and wishing it was done. <laughs> oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, I, th I, think, I think we're going to have to do an episode on that. What do you think? I think we should. That yeah. was fantastic. It's phenomenal. Um, and you know what? It got my uh, creative juices flowing, too, and I had a pretty productive day working on some new stuff for everyone to read someday. Yay. Cool. Short story yeah. or? No. Um, the next book and the first book in maybe a longer sort of series. Yeah, cool. Yeah, somebody, somebody's vague, <laughs> somebody's vague booking. <laughs> I know I am. I'm. Oh, what would that be on podcasting? Am I, am I vague potting? Yeah, you're vague, vague, vague potting. Vague, I, I think vague, <laughs> vague potting sounds better. Honestly, <laughs> I think you can get a ticket for that in some states. Maybe. No. Well, it's in some states you can get shot for that. But oh, uh, not, yeah. well, not until Texas. Yeah, yeah, not until November though, uh, when maybe one <laughs> certain person is. Is elected. <laughs> oh boy, let's not even. Let's not go there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we just lost. We we probably just lost half of our half well, of our listeners well, right let, there. Let's hope we didn't. <laughs> let's hope we didn't lose them because I didn't. I didn't say any names. <laughs> you know that's true. You covered both bases, so we lost everybody. Yeah. Well, is what you're saying. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all gone. So. <laughs> As, you hear the crickets. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So my my week's been great. Uh, like I said, it, I'm I'm smack dab in the middle of my vacation right now. Uh, it's forced vacation because uh, the the plant shuts down for two weeks. I could have went in to help clean uh, the machines and whatnot, but I was like, nah, nope. <laughs> there's oh, a whole bunch wow. of there's a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to catch up on, and uh, and I'm nowhere near where I wanted to be. But that's okay. I uh, yeah. <laughs> I push at it every day. Um, that's interesting that you said that thing about cleaning because mm -hmm. I always tease you about about those big machines and and the mangler and that really would have been um, um, graveyard shift if you had gone in to go cleaning. 
Yeah, kind of. Yeah, except it would have been during the day, and it would have been hotter than hell. And uh, you know, I, I think I, it was in that short story too, wasn't it? In uh, in Graveyard Ship, was it really hot yeah, when they went yeah. down in the sub basement? For sure, I don't know. Uh, it was. And uh, the movie, uh, the movie version, uh, showed that too. Because huh. you see them all I don't sweaty think I've and seen greasy. That. I don't think I've ever seen that. I, I th- I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of uh, the right thing. Oh well, I could might not be. It's with the rats, right? Yeah, yeah, Be- yeah, and I started off saying the Mangler, which is a different story. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think I threw you off there. <laughs> well, the Mangler uh, is what you used as the, uh, um, you know, the machine that they. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a movie actually I want to go back to, and maybe the short story too. Maybe someday. It's been so long. I really like the short story. Yeah. All right. So uh, how about I tell everyone? about our sponsors i think so okay and then uh and then we will uh get on with the show uh which will start with the news and all that fun stuff uh but first uh we are so very proud to be uh sponsored by crystal lake publishing they have uh, been publishing since 2012 and they have quickly become one of the world's leading indie publishers of mystery thriller and suspense books with a dark fiction edge. Uh, these guys are doing phenomenal things. We've been covering a lot from uh, the Gutted anthology that they re- recently released. It's called Gutted, Beautiful Horror Stories. Um, uh, and it has the likes of Ramsey Campbell in it, and <laughs> many others, Clive Barker, um, Neil Gaiman, Mercedes M. Yardley, and uh, uh, Damien Angelica Walters. And also this week's guest, Brian Kirk. Um, so definitely go to uh, crystallakepub.com and check out what they're doing there. They're doing a lot of awesome things. Uh, become a patron to Crystal Lake Publishing and you can uh, get many perks. One of their new perks is they're coming out with their own podcast. And that's going to be available uh, with the next book, I believe. And what they're going to do with their podcast is every time they release a new book, they will interview the author. And if you're a patron, uh, I think it said, uh, uh, if you're a patron, you can watch it at the $1 level, I believe, live. And uh, so stick around for that and uh, make sure you become a patron and and uh, check out them talking with... Uh, with their authors every time they release a new book. And that's pretty cool because uh, uh, pretty soon they're going to be releasing uh, Tales from the uh, Lake, volume, what is it, three? I think it's three now. Yeah. I think it's three. Uh, Anyways, there's a lot of authors in there, and they're pretty big names. So they're going to probably, I imagine anyway, Joe didn't say one way or the other, but I get the idea that they're going to be doing like a series of, you know, Tales from the Lake with with their authors. So that's exciting stuff. Go check that out. Uh, We're also really happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is an online audiobook store. With over 180,000 titles. That's a lot. Uh, that, that right there should tell you just how expansive their library is. Um, go to www.audibletrial.com slash darknessdwells and sign up for a one-month free membership uh, trial. And that trial includes you getting a free audiobook of your choice. 
I'm going to suggest uh, The Elementals by Michael McDowell. Uh, it's narrated by R.C. Bray. Its length is 8 hours and 11 minutes, and that's unabridged. So check that out. Uh, Michael McDowell is uh, a legend himself, and I, I, I was actually surprised. They have a couple of Michael McDowell books on here, and that's that's exciting stuff, honestly. Uh, so go and check that out as soon as you can. He's he's awesome too. It's been a long time since I I read anything of his, but I found um, what did I read? The Amulet and Cold Moon over Babylon. Yeah, uh, just wow, powerful stuff. Yeah, I heard I heard what, a rumor about Michael McDowell, and I'm not too sure if it's true, but uh, I heard that he liked to collect pictures. Now this is like pre-internet, remember? Uh, because he died in, like, 1999, I believe. Um, but he liked to collect pictures of dead bodies. Huh. Well, you know everyone needs his hobby. <laughs> yeah. That's weird, but, though, because, like, where would he get the pictures, first of all? Uh, I guess that Yeah, was, I, I, like you say, before the Internet, things like, uh, you know, that's that really takes a lot of dedication. Yeah, and I guess maybe a couple of cops he might have known. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> can you uh, can you just uh, get me one of those pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah, excellent. Thanks. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I need that for my collection. <laughs> if so, if that is true, though, I I don't know. I find that pretty interesting um, because people like us, people who write horror, we are, you know, we're uh, attracted to darker things, things that other people find quite possibly repulsive. So uh, the idea that he does that, I think, is just or did that, is uh, pretty interesting. A friend of mine um, who recently recently died, he had he showed me. He said that he didn't usually even show anybody this, but he had some of Shirley Jackson's bones Weird. given to him by Shirley Jackson's daughter. Um, so he kept them in a in a very secure place in his office. So I've. I've seen Shirley Jackson's bones. So you've rubbed shoulders with Shirley Jackson, right? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> rubbed shoulder bones with her. Yes, I have. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Just, just delightfully macabre. You know, like you say, uh, we horror authors really can, uh, well, rub shoulders with some very interesting people and things. Yeah, well, I think it's more interesting to be, you know, into the dark things like that because... Everything else just so boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I feel the same way. <laughs> so, uh, okay, this week uh, we have a very special guest with Brian Kirk. Excuse me. He he was an author in the uh, gutted Beautiful Horror Stories anthology, and his story, it really packed a punch. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was awesome, awesome, man. I loved reading it. Um and that was actually the main reason why I contacted him. Joe didn't ask me if I wanted him on the show or anything. I just read that story, and I was like, oh, my God, i got to get this guy on the show. So I did some research. He has a book out, and uh, we talk about that and his short story. We also talk about what me and Michael just talked about, uh, our strange affinity for dark things and uh, mental illness and all that fun stuff. So uh, <laughs> we're going to take a, a quick break, and when we come back, Michael and I, we will discuss some horror news for you. And then it'll be Michael, or sorry, uh, Brian and me as we uh, discuss those dark things. So how about we take a break, Michael? Stay tuned. <laughs> we are the Darkness Dwells Podcast, and we will be right back. 
<laughs> bye bye, Michael. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, did you uh, did you find anything you'd like to talk about? Boy, did I! And I feel like I'm coming late to the party with this one. Um, you probably already know this, but apparently, the new Adam Wingard movie, The Woods, is actually Blair Witch. Bum, 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 um, bum. The uh, the third Blair Witch movie, and um, by all accounts, according to Brad Miska, it's it's just awesome. And I looked at the trailers. Oh boy, this thing looks really good, really it, spectacular. It really does. Um, it's interesting how they marketed this one because uh, the first one we all well most of us know the story. Uh, I lived it, and so did you, Michael. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was like an internet experiment almost because that's where the marketing started. Started as a video supposedly that leaked onto the internet of some haunted forest where you know the story takes place, and people believed that it was real, <laughs> and that was that was awesome. I uh, I remember they that. did they really did a good job, and I had forgotten or maybe I didn't know this while I was. Because I, this is all I have for the news, too, because I went off on such a tangent reading all about this stuff and looking back on old trailers and everything. But apparently IMDb, when they, uh, like Heather Donahue and, and the two guys that starred in Blair Witch Project, apparently their entries said um, missing, presumed dead yeah. when uh, Blair Witch first came out. So, yeah. man, they really went all out. Yeah, I worked with a guy... Um I was working in a factory, an uh, automotive factory at the time, and uh, one of the guys I worked with, I used to pick him up before work, uh, I picked him up one day, and he had this scared look on his face, and he was like, you wouldn't believe what I just saw on the internet, and he went <laughs> on he went on and on about this movie, and, uh, and it, you know, the fact that it was supposed to be real, and he was telling me that, you know, it looked real to him, so <laughs> he looked at honestly scared and and it scared me that he seemed so scared so uh just you know everything that followed me going to see it in the theater by the time i went to see it in the theater it was already revealed that it was just a movie and whatnot but but still it was a fantastic experience to uh you know be swept up in yep and uh you know a lot of a lot of newcomers to horror or just just a whole generation i mean the whole found footage thing is just it's it's old news, and it's it's hard to remember. It's hard to imagine. I guess at this point, that that was a really new new concept. I mean, we hadn't seen anything like this before. No. So or I mean, after, it was really, it was really easy to believe that that this was real, or at least have doubts, or you know, at least wonder what's going on about it, and and just the whole uh, visceral effect of being in that close documentary style. It was it was fantastic. That movie disturbed me so much. I went to the midnight, the very first midnight showing of it when it was released, mm-hmm. and um, I went to the very first matinee the next day because I just had to see it again. Yeah, I uh, I didn't go see it at like midnight or anything, but I did go see it with my friends at the theater, and I remember after the movie, even though most of us I guess knew, I know that we did, me and my friends, we knew it wasn't real. But still, everyone when the when the lights came up and the and the credits were rolling up, nobody in the theater moved. We and it was packed; it was full. Uh, everybody just sat there staring at the screen, wondering what the fuck they had just seen. Uh, I actually, I actually have chills right now just just thinking back to that. Yeah, 
And, uh, you know, I, I kind of get angry when people just, like, because a lot of people dismiss the Blair Witch Project today. I actually, I think I wrote a list, if I'm remembering correctly, I wrote a list a long time ago that I published on another site, and uh, I, I added uh, the Blair Witch onto that list. I can't remember what the list was. I think it was, like, top ten best found footage films, and I put Blair Witch as number one. And uh, I got a lot of flack for that. People like, and I was surprised. I was like, "Whoa, people! Do you even understand what the Blair Witch was and and what it yeah. meant for its time?" Like, seriously, people. <laughs> I don't I heard a story about it too. I mean, there's so many, there's so many like behind the scenes uh, stories. But apparently, they were. It was going to be like put together like a like a whole documentary. But you know how in the beginning they do, like, the little interviews with yeah. the, uh, like, townspeople and that? I guess it was going to be more like that. And the whole, you know, the actual found footage of, of those three in the woods, that was just going to be part of the movie. Hmm. But when they started looking at what they had, they realized this actually is the movie. Yeah. It's good they kept it that way because uh, it had the biggest impact, I think. And 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 it was the sound too. Remember that 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 you know. I mean, we never really well. You don't see the witch, and there really aren't there aren't any special effects. There's not a lot of visuals at all. It was just the the creepy sound. Yeah, like the, and the constant the dread building. Yeah. Oh my god! And that baby crying and the yeah. off in the middle of the night and uh, rustling and just. Uh, it's fantastic. Subtlety. Yeah. The it's best it's very spooky. My biggest complaint is they keep coming to a river. It's like, dudes, just yeah. just follow the river and you'll find a town. But they keep just going by the river. They don't actually follow the river. I think it would have been cooler if they followed the river and still ended up in the same place. But that's my only that's my only gripe. Well, you know, phone your congressman. And <laughs> <laughs> They'll change it for you. <laughs> I did. I, I liked the. I did love the fact of that they got that they got lost. Like yeah. that. That's been that element alone has been done a lot since then. Oh yeah, but that, sure. uh, that felt new at the time. I don't think that was very widely done. Just like man, yeah, you're, you're, you're just going yeah. in the circle. You yeah. know, you can't you can't escape that. Yeah, and that's fan. That like you're right. That's uh, that's awesome. Like no matter how far they. They tried to avoid doing the big circle. They ended up in the same spot, and yeah. uh, that that would that's just scary, man. <laughs> yep. Well, you walk all day, and then you, you're right back at the camp. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, that you said that was your only piece, right? No, I did say that. Yes, but there was just one other thing that I found um, going around on Facebook. There's this movie that supposedly will make you go insane. Um, called mm-hmm. Fury of the Demon, and I guess it's it's from like the late eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Um, and, and like I guess the actual name it's a French film is La Rage du Demon, and that instantly reminded me of John Carpenter's Cigarette Burns, and I wondered if maybe Fury of the Demon was the basis of uh, of that movie that that Daryl Dixon had to track down in, in John Carpenter's movie, yeah. you know that uh, that end of the world movie that made people explode into violence after they saw it because it was the only only way that they could express what they're feeling after watching it yeah that's uh, that's what they i i I read this same article i don't know if it's from the exact same source or not because probably been a few people who talked about it 
But uh, I, I was like blurry eyed, halfway, half awake, half asleep, and I was reading it on my cell phone when I woke up because I saw the article for it and I clicked it. And uh, I was like, wow, like, what if that's true? I honestly, I doubt that it's true. I think it's just a uh, clickbait, maybe. But uh, uh, if, if there is something to it, that would be uh, pretty weird. I mean, because the, uh, the guy who directed that film. Uh, went on to direct a m- many other things. Uh, like, he directed that, uh, you know, the big moon in the sky where yes. the, the yep. rocket crashes into its eye? Um, yeah. He, he did that and uh, many other things after, so I don't know. And it's, boy, talk about meshing. That uh, that image with the rocket in the moon was one of the um, pictures in in Sherry Moon Zombie's apartment in yeah. Lords of Salem. You're right. And as you remember... The Lords of Salem was a movie where, at at the end, with that barrage of images that that zombie zombie directed in there, I thought I was going insane. So you know, it was it's, it sounds so strange. It sounds like I'm being hyperbolic, but I really it crossed my mind. I'm like, oh my god, what if what, what if I'm losing my soul right now? <laughs> that was like that barrage of images right there at the end, and I mean, he had just perfectly placed me in this. This just all-encompassing dread throughout yeah. the entire movie up to then. <laughs> I uh, I did. I felt like I was kind of losing control. It was such a roller coaster feeling. It's the reason why I love horror and go to horror movies right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, scary movies, apparently um, the new movie that just came out this week, uh, Lights Out. Have you heard of it? Oh yes. Yeah, I want to see this. I uh, I, I keep reading decent to good, rev- like really good reviews on this, uh, and that surprises me. And the reason why it surprises me is because I've seen the trailer for this thing and it looked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> really, you didn't like it? Well, I think uh, a lot of things that you see on Facebook kind of ruined it for me because a lot of the trailer that I saw was them turning on the light, and turning off the light. Yes, when they, when yeah. they turn off the light, you see something there. And then you turn on the light, and it's not there. I see that so many times on Facebook because uh, I guess they're making fun oh. of what the source material for this movie is. And it was a short film that came out in 2012, I think, maybe 13, somewhere around there. And uh, and it's just basically just that made into a full length movie. But uh, the fact that they dwelled on that, I was just like, oh my god, this looks terrible. But the thing is, is I'm, I'm going. <laughs> My uh, my niece wants to go see it, so regardless of uh, what I think of it, I'm going to go see it tomorrow because I'm the only guy, which is really cool, uh, who likes to go see horror movies, so she always wants to go see these things, and so she, uh, I don't know who drags who along, but <laughs> it's, one, yeah, it's one of those things, right? Uh, so yeah, that, I want to go, I want to head, head out to the theater and see that too sometime this week hopefully i'm i'm such a sucker for for certain things like that lights out lights on lights out lights on <laughs> I, I like that in the trailer i know it's corny but i'm like oh this looks really good <laughs> I, I was the opposite i was like oh my god this looks horrible but uh you know what I, i'll give <coughs> oh, any horror sorry. movie a chance so uh well, yeah almost any horror movie. I mean, there's some, some movies that you just look at and you're like, Oh my God, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I, I, I'll tell you next week, uh, what I thought of it. Sweet. All right. Oh, there's one more thing that I wanted to talk about. And I posted this up on, on the face, the Facebook group, not the like page, but the group. 
and uh, this actually pissed me off. <laughs> um, apparently, two pictures from the new uh, Hellraiser movie, uh, Hellraiser yeah. Judgment, has been released. Uh, the two pictures being two different Cenobites. Now, the reason why this this pissed me off is because these... Uh, I mean, yeah, these things look creepy, but they could be from any horror movie that deals with hell or hellish-like uh, f- dark fantasy. They don't look like Cenobites. Cenobites... No, they don't. The, the Cenobites are creatures of pleasure and pain, mostly pain, but the fact is they find the pleasure in the pain. And uh, so, likewise, they're... Uh, their their skin has been torn in weird and unique ways, and and uh, often their clothes that they wear uh, reflect that, or at least uh, participate in the tearing of their flesh. And uh, these creatures, they just look like I don't know, man. It, it, <laughs> they just look like people. Like they threw things on people just to make them look a little scary. Like yeah, uh, like, and. It, it's also interesting because if they're going to stick with a uh, any kind of standard pinhead imagery, because he's a he's a Cenobite too, so you kind of have to match match them all up. Yeah, and like there's uh, the one I can't tell if it's a man or a woman, but uh, they're it looks like they're dressed in all leather. One hand kind of comes out into a claw. The other hand has a an actual like needle like weapon, and she or he is wearing a a gas mask, and like a weird freaking, uh, I don't know something that's hanging off their chest, but doesn't look. Yeah, like her butcher apron. That's it. Yeah, I think. and yeah. Uh, it just it's like no, <laughs> Where, where's the gas mask from? Why can't we have like the gas mask shoved into her face or something like that? <laughs> it's part <laughs> of her, her face. Yeah, her face. Stretched out into yeah, a gas into it. Yeah, that would make some more sense. And then there's that big, the big uh, overweight guy with like a yeah. like a doll with face a dead ringer for Leatherface. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cause, uh, he's got that weird mask on, and uh, he's wearing a, an apron too. But it it looks like it might be made out of human skin or something. I don't know, but it looks it looks like something out of a cheap horror movie or. Maybe even like you know, uh, like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. It just doesn't look like yeah. like Hellraiser at all. And I like them um, a little bit. I, I'm with you on the whole. They're not. That's that's not the Cenobite look. Yeah. Uh, but but apart from that, like if I just saw them, they look pretty badass. Yeah, they do. Um, there's a movie that's really not well known that I like. It's uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it deals with going to hell, and uh, and uh, there's creatures in that film that look like this, and that's fine for that, but they're not Cenobites. Yeah, that's makes makes me even more intrigued, though. Yeah, well, I will see it. <laughs> I have to, but uh, I don't know if I like it. I guess we'll find out. Maybe maybe it'll blow me away in ways I never thought possible. Who knows? You never know. And and hey, it's always best to go in with lowered expectations because how many times do we go into something just expecting awesomeness and if it doesn't reach that pinnacle that we expected, we don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why they released these pictures. <laughs> there you go. We're going to lower their expectations. <laughs> the lower expectations campaign. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, speaking of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I recently saw the second one, uh, 
for the first time in a very, very, very long time, and I can't believe how insane that film is. <laughs> <laughs> the the original too with yeah uh, the Dennis original Hopper. Part, yeah yeah that movie yeah. is crazy. Dennis Hopper is crazy. <laughs> it's been it's been years since I've seen it too. I I remember that it's not really very good, but it is it does have this kind of tiger craziness that's kind of spellbinding. Yeah, it's it's actually quite awesome. But, you know, there's, like, no real story or anything. Not really. Um, but I love Dennis Hopper's character. And he goes... He's off obvi- He's off to get revenge or whatever, and he's buying... He goes to a chainsaw store. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he picks out two smaller ones and one large one. He takes the large one out to test it out in the log they have out in the front. <laughs> and he's, like, attacking the thing like uh, Leatherface would. <laughs> It's just funny. Uh, if, if if people haven't seen that one in a while or they haven't seen it at all, I, I suggest you go watch that. And that's weird that you would bring that up because I just watched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre just because uh, just I wanted to, just last week. Hmm. That's cool because uh, the one thing, the, those two movies are completely polar opposites of each other. Um, the funny thing, Toby Hooper, who uh, did both of them, he wanted the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre to be a comedy, and uh, it obviously didn't turn out that way. You could kind of see maybe where the comedy is, but it's just, it doesn't work as a comedy. It's it's definitely much more creepy. And uh, there's absolutely no gore. I don't think there's one drop of blood in that film, although people remember it being very gory. And that kind of shows uh, Tony Hooper's like brilliance at that, uh, that because he leaves a lot a lot of the gore up to your imagination uh whereas the second movie <laughs> it is definitely a comedy and a very dark comedy at that and there is a shit ton of gore <laughs> buckets of blood people oh i'm i'm going to have to watch that one again now too yeah kind of work my way through them <laughs> all right so i th- i think that's it for the news are you uh are you newsed out I am newsed out, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to take another break here, and when we return, it'll be me and Brian Kirk and all those dark, twisted things we're attracted to, uh, along with his work. And uh, so stay tuned for that, and then Michael and I will be back to round out the show. All right. With unmatched success since 2012, Crystal Lake Publishing has quickly become one of the world's leading indie publishers of horror and thriller books with a mystery and suspense edge. With stories, interviews, and essays by the likes of Wes Craven, Neil Gaiman, Jack Ketchum, Ramsey Campbell, Kevin Lucia, Jasper Bark, Mercedes M. Yardley, Mark Allen Gunnels, and Clive Barker, you'll want to dive right in. Crystal Lake Publishing www.crystallakepub.com Hi. Welcome to the Patreon campaign for Crystal Lake Publishing. I'm Jasper Bark, 
one of the many authors that Crystal Lake has helped and published. I'm not employed by Crystal Lake and I don't benefit directly from this campaign, but let me explain to you why I was thrilled to be an advocate. I've been working with Crystal Lake Publishing since the publication of their first official release, the anthology For the Night is Dark. Over the last three years, I've watched them grow into one of the world's leading indie publishers of dark fiction. But times are hard for indie publishers, and that's why they need your support. Not only to pay the huge number of people who work tirelessly behind the scenes to make certain that each book is of the highest professional standard, but also to pay all anthology contributors a top professional rate, to include artwork in every single one of their books, and to pay a quarterly bonus on royalties to all their authors. In return, they are offering some truly amazing perks, so please do take a moment to go and check them out. The perks are offered over two tiers, so there is something to suit everyone's budget. And, because this is Patreon, you can put a cap on the amount of money you spend each month, so you will never go above budget. But, the main reason to support Crystal Lake Publishing is because they build communities. Communities of readers and writers, of artists and filmmakers, and genre enthusiasts of every stripe. And that's why I am so proud to be an associate. Why I was thrilled to be an advocate for this campaign. And why, most importantly, I hope that you will join me. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome back this week. We have another awesome guest. Uh, he goes by the name of Brian Kirk, and he lives in Atlanta with his wife and identical twin boys. He works as a freelance writer in addition to writing fiction and is currently working on the second book in a planned trilogy. His debut book is We Are Monsters, and he currently has a short story in the gutted anthology. Welcome to the show, Brian. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for the invitation. Hey, no problem. Um... As we were talking just before uh, just before the show here, I, I thought it would be fun to discuss uh, uh, movies, uh, as this is a movie and and literature podcast. We like to cross both those. Uh, we like to bring both those uh, mediums together when it when it comes to horror. And uh, but lately we've been concentrating because of uh, the the guests that we've been having on. We've been uh, concentrating on the literature side of things, but. But you brought up to me over on Facebook Messenger that you were more of a, a horror literary guy, which is cool. Uh, but you also loved uh, recent movies, uh, It Follows and The Babadook. Uh, what was it about those movies that that drew you? Uh, they felt original. They just felt, well, a couple of things. First of all, um, and this is usually typically something that I don't look for, and it's something that typically flies over my head, but they... They, they were both somewhat concept pieces, yeah. um, which intrigued me because it, when I think that the, the reason that they were able to captivate me being concept pieces, when you, typically I just look for pretty straightforward storytelling, mm -hmm. is that it was pretty obvious that they were trying to say something more. Oh, yeah. So it got me kind of intrigued in what else, what was the real underlying message behind just the straightforward, you know, story that they were telling. 
Um, and it, so it's it, it's both of those were ones that captivated my imagination after the movie had ended in trying to kind of piece out what it was that they were trying to say. And I think a lot of it's kind of open-ending. I think the Babadook is way more clear on what the underlying message is than it follows. Yeah. To me, the Babadook was very much a story about, you know, depression or or just a psychosis, you know, or... <laughs> or she was you know, possessed. Correct. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, and it could be both. You know, maybe yeah. it was... You know what... To be honest, depression feels like a possession sometimes. Oh, yeah. Or psychosis kind of seems like a, uh, a possession. You know, it, it, not to do the plug, but, you know, you mentioned my debut, We Are Monsters, which deals uh, with mental illness. And um, and that's a that's kind of a very close topic to me. So I, I almost feel like mental illness, there is like an invasion component to mental illness. You know what I mean? It feels like something very alien and other has invaded your consciousness and it, and it, has it control made, of you. Correct. And and makes you stare at the wall for eight hours. <laughs> I understand <laughs> I understand what that's like because I, I, uh, I'm very close to the subject matter as well. Um, and these movies really drew me as well. Uh, so obviously when it comes to The Babadook, I, uh, you could, as you said, go uh, either way. And what, that's the one thing I really love about that movie is because it's so open-ended. You have to kind of... You, you're engaged with the movie. You have to come up with your own idea as to what happened, or you're just not going to like it. And, uh, of course, I identified with the mental illness side of things, that she kind of lost it. And I think there's uh, there's uh, there's things pointing in that direction, too, that this has happened before, and it's probably going to happen again. But uh, they... they <laughs> but the fact that they have to survive through this, uh, the poor kid, you know, you got to feel for him. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely did. You know, what's funny is it was a lot of the negative reviews I heard were people just flat out being annoyed with the kid actor. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, I, I don't think those people have kids, honestly. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just saying the people who were annoyed with the kid in that movie, I don't think they had kids. <laughs> because Probably good. Yeah, because like before I had my kid, I, I you know I, I might have found the same thing annoying. But now that I have a kid, it, it's just commonplace to hear a kid screaming in a movie or wherever. Oh yeah, you tune it out. Yeah, actually, now that I think about the most uh, harrowing part of that movie or scene in that movie for me personally, and I don't know if I remember it uh, perfectly, but when he's in the treehouse with that, with those that I don't know if it's a girl or girls. And I think they're teasing him, and don't they? Or doesn't he? What happens in that scene? Does he, are they teasing him, and he lashes out and pushes one of the girls? Um, there's a scene where where the kids are teasing each other, yeah. and it just and it really that was like for whatever reason the most emotionally harrowing scene in the movie. Now I can't even yeah remember. that was near the beginning, right? They're in the playground, and yeah, uh, and I'm she sure, has to I'm take. Sure. No, they were in. He was in school, right? And uh, she had to come pick him up, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, rem I remember that part. Well, there's also, um, I think, an element of, like, postpartum uh, depression. And obviously he's a little old for that, but there seemed to be this resentment she held towards him in the wake of her husband's death. Yeah, because, uh, well, he died taking her to the hospital 
while right. she was uh, giving birth to him, so in a car oh. accident, and and his death was pretty uh, nasty. I think he got half his head severed. <laughs> uh, it's like a very quick scene, but uh, it's at the it's at the very beginning too, so it's not really a spoiler. Um, but yeah, so he di- he dies in a car crash, taking her to the hospital so that she can give birth to her son, and so. She is still, like, this is a good, what, six, seven years later, and she's still completely in love with the man and misses, misses him. And uh, that that's part of the psychosis, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's smart. I, I don't know who the, um, right, was it, the, the was the screenwriter also the director? I yes. can't remember. I know it was a woman, yeah. yeah what yeah. else has she done, you know? Uh, I don't think she's done much. Uh, honestly, I don't have it right in front of me, but, yeah, she's, uh, uh, she's, she really hit the mark with this one. Um, I think, honestly, I could be wrong, but I think it, it was her debut film, too. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. Uh, pretty incredible film, though. And same with uh, It Follows. It's just the... It, this one is a little different, and it doesn't really uh, go along the lines of mental illness, but it does have that uh, creeping death feel that, you know, it's always after you. And you could look at it as like sexually transmitted diseases or whatever. But I think I took it more as like death is always coming at you and it's going to catch up one of these days. You know what I mean? You can't run from it forever. Yeah. You know, I, I, so I was actually more about the, like not even so much, um, transmitted diseases, although that, that definitely came through for me. But yeah. my takeaway was more along the lines of um, what I think is an unfortunate stigma assigned to people who have who are promiscuous. Yeah. Because I mean, and that that's, that would also speak to like the the transmitted diseases. Because I, I think uh, like one of the rules of the of the of the thing was if you were in love, it wouldn't follow you, or something like that. If I recall correctly. Um, but it was more like promiscuous sex that would trigger the this haunt, you know, the, the figure to follow. Yeah, um, so long as the person was infected. Correct. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. So I guess that clearly, if he's in, the person's infected, that would that would lead to the transmitted disease. Yeah, but I understand that the death thing too. There's, it's just relentless. You can't escape it. It's always it's always coming. Yeah, and. Uh, it's the one thing I like about, say, like zombie films, especially the slow zombies, is that just that idea of creeping death following you and always coming at you. Uh, one thing I loved about It Follows as well is that it's a serious throwback to 80s films mm-hmm. and 70s films. There is even, it, it's almost a timeless piece in that you don't, you can't exactly tell, except for a few uh, parts where there's some modern things. Like uh, the one girl's reading a book from uh, what looks like a mascara case, and because it's an e-reader, right? <laughs> and right. Uh, there's also a car that's pretty uh, like 2014 or something in one of the driveways. Other than that, you can't tell where they are in time. Yeah, the, 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 I like that as well. It, it just added to kind of the general like unease i guess i felt because it was just um a little bit mysterious but i didn't understand it i didn't understand this why they decided to to make it that way and also i didn't understand the the lack of like parents there's no parents in the thing other than a fleeting you know which which was clearly deliberate in in and I didn't. I, it added to my unease, and I didn't understand why either. Yeah, well, um, 
the mother was there, but she was always drunk, and she was either drunk or asleep. I think. That's right. And uh, the father, I guess he was working, or he just was out of the picture completely. Uh, it's hard to say for sure. <laughs> but uh, the one thing I really like about these two movies is is their artistic take. And uh, my introduction to you was through gutted beautiful horror stories and uh, the short story you wrote for them, which is uh, uh, excuse me here. Um, I have it here. Picking splinters. Where is it? I have it in my Picking notes here. Picking splinters from a sex slave. Yes, picking splinters from a sex slave. Now, this story, uh, it's very deep in the subject matter. I mean, by deep, I mean, like, wow. <laughs> Talk about your disturbing <laughs> stuff, you know? Um, the, the one thing that... Uh, yeah, picking splinters from a sex slave. It really packed a punch. I found myself loving the prose, and the story really sucked me in. I didn't want the story to end, although I, I did enjoy the, the sickness of the story's ending. I think it I think it would have made a great longer piece of dark literature. Um, can you tell us what the story is about and how you came to write it? Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned I have some thoughts on, on a longer uh, adaptation of it, but... um. Uh, sure. So the, the idea, basically the premise of the story is, um, uh, you know, a, a young lady, I think at the age of 14 at the time is abducted by some just perverted sadistic predator, uh, who keeps her as a sex slave in a box under his bed. Yeah. Um, you know, which, which happens, you know, I mean, there, there are these, these, you know, just these sadistic men out there who have these dungeons and layers or boxes. I mean, this go, you know, there are people held captive as we talk. And That's true. And, find them, you, know and I mean? you hear about it all the time too, uh, about people who they're being investigated for one reason or another. And they find, boom, they have kids in their basement and, and they're like 12 now, but they've been there since they were six and they've never come out of the basement. Uh, they've been their prisoner and like at least once a year, I, I'd, I'd swear you hear a story like that. Yeah. So every time I hear a story like that, it, it, it's always saddened me and captivated me. You know, I have, a, I have a kind of a morbid fascination, but it's not so much. I'm just, you know, it's not. It's not like I'm in, interested in this. I'm, you know, repulsed by it, and I, yeah. I want it to exist. But at the same time, I'm just. It's so horrifying. I find it fascinating. Obviously, I'm drawn to the dark. You know what I mean? So it's like it, it just captures my imagination and i yeah, I <laughs> yeah wonder. you don't have to explain yourself i think we're, we're all the same here because <laughs> <laughs> no, like it, you're right it, it's repulsive and 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 you can't understand how this could happen and yet you're drawn you're curious as to how it could happen too and that's what fascinates you it's I think maybe at least it's what fascinates me is uh, how how does this happen like what kind of mindset is same with serial killers Right. They're almost alien to the human condition because of what they do to other people. Because 99% of other people could not do that to other to other people, and yet they get their rocks off on it. So where is the where is the line drawn, and how is it crossed? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's 100% is is just trying to understand it better. Um, so you know, the, so this this uh, uh, child is abducted, uh, held in this box for six years, 
it then um, rescued and released and returned to her father, who has, since the family has fallen apart, um, kind of mother is completely out of the picture. And the story is about uh, how he attempts to help her reintegrate into society and kind of rekindle the relationship that they used to have. And yeah. I was just trying to, you know, my, you know, when you hear these stories, you don't really um, get an interview with the victims afterwards. And, and, and for good reason. One, we don't need it. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. let's let's alone. But two, I, I, I imagine that in many cases they are shattered. Oh, for sure. They're just, you know what I mean? Especially if someone endured the conditions that the girl did in this book, which is literally being kept in a, in like a coffin that's yeah. too small. So she's kind of scrunched up inside it. Um, and you know, I, so I just, I wanted to just explore how someone would, what the world would look like to someone who had endured that, that, that circumstance. And their father. The, the one reason why this affected me so much is because I'm, I'm a dad, right? And this type of thing terrifies me because if it were to happen to me or well my son um it would destroy me i know it would <laughs> sure. i wouldn't be able to endure that kind of uh worry you know what i mean no i do know what you mean you know i actually the the fear component for me the thing that drew me to it was more from the lens of her perspective first uh-huh. probably the most frightening thing i can think of is you know i mean i think we all have like a, a primal fear of being buried alive yeah. um and, you know, and I, I don't like being confined to s- small spaces. So just being literally stuffed in a box against, I, mean, I don't know, you know, have you ever, you know, I mean, if you if you try and worm through a small tunnel and you get stuck or, you know, what yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're sleeping back, <laughs> like just underneath the sheets sometimes, if someone's holding you down underneath sheets. Yeah, you, you feel sleep. that fear. Yeah, it's real fear. It's an intense fear. At least for me, it's a fear that you you feel like you you understand what it'd be like to snap. You yeah. I mean, that that if, if you were, if you had to endure that for too long, you would you you know you you would snap. Um, so that's what drew me to the story was was how horrifying that would be. But then yeah, being a father myself, I wrote it from the perspective of the father. You know what I mean? Because I I don't think that I writing it from the perspective of the daughter. I don't think that her mind would make sense. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know that I could really. Um, it would be that you could follow it really, or at least the way I portrayed her. So it had to be from a different point of view. Yeah. And it made sense from the father. Then as things progressed, that made more and more sense. Yeah. And I, honestly, I think more people could identify with the father more so than the daughter anyway, because nobody's been trapped in a, in a box for, for so many years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe um, maybe somebody like the daughter would latch onto a story written that way, but 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 you know, there's guys like me who are kind of personalizing it in a sense, and uh, and you're following the father along. The father kind of reminded me of myself in a way too, because well, he had that inappropriate sense of humor, and right. I, I definitely have that problem, yeah, and and uh, and so yeah, I like truly dug dug the protagonist, but. This we're not going to spoil the ending, but I like how the uh, <laughs> it was just so weird. Uh, I, one thing I really loved about this story is it it kind of starts where it or it kind of ends where it started, but completely different. And uh, 
in a sense, the father does what he does because he loves his daughter and he just wants her to be happy. Right. You know, it's funny. I um, I considered, even though what um, well, you know, so when the when they accepted the story, you know, I was kind of we were kind of going back and forth. They were, you know, they were pretty stunned by it. You know what I mean? And and you know, <laughs> let me know kind of how it affected them. I, you know, it's 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 a you know, it, it packs a punch for sure. And, you know, I was like, yeah, man, you know, that, that twist ending, you know, packs a punch or whatever. And they were like, that's not a twist ending. That, that ending is inevitable. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it made sense. I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, yeah. And, and some of the reviewers for the piece have said the same thing as well. One said, you know, uh, while I can't remember, you know, uh, while we're pugnant or whatever, the, the, the logic is inescapable. So it's just the only ending that fits even though it, it really surprises and shocks people. Yeah, the only way you could uh, perhaps have a different ending is if the piece was longer and it was more of an exploration of uh, of uh, the daughter and her healing process and whether or not she actually does heal or not. And That would be a different story altogether. But, uh, sure. but uh, it was still fun exploring that because uh, uh, that's what made me want to read it more because I was like, getting into the whole, you know, him trying to fix her and, and realizing that he can't. And it was just, I don't know, I just, I, I fell in love with the characters. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I th- it, people with dark sense of humor, I think, are going to appreciate that story and understand it more than people that, that, that don't appreciate dark humor. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, because the story, in a lot of ways, if there's a theme to it, it, it part of it is, you know, laughter is the best medicine. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and you even throw some uh, pretty nasty jokes in there. <laughs> well, that's what the story didn't come alive to me until in in that was like just a gift from the universe. I woke up in the middle of the night, you know, three a.m. and with the, the, there's those little formulas throughout the you know. I mean, it starts because the guy's a comedian. Yeah, and it, you know, kind of starts in his mind. He's you know he, he's framing this from the lens of you know the joke teller. You know what I mean? Come up with these these really bad. You know, offensive jokes. <laughs> yeah. And then he has the you know the comedy equals tragedy plus time. You know what I mean? And then he starts having have spin off formulas based on that, like you know, um, what's it? Uh, love times your fucked equals life. I think is the next one of the other ones. Yeah. And those all came to me as written in, in, in like in a string of them, just in a flash revelation. Waking up at three in the morning, and I, <laughs> I just wrote them down on the pen uh, on you know on a pad of paper I keep next to the bed, and I knew. What it was, I knew exactly. I was like, "That's that story. That story is writing itself," you know. And it, and and then I knew he was a comedian. I started writing the story the next morning, and it, and it wrote itself pretty. Qu- it's one of the. Uh, it came out easier than almost any other story I've ever written. Yeah. Um, and it was all because of that the, the jokes <laughs> that, that just <laughs> you know for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, that. That I mean, that really worked. Uh, the jokes, I mean, because well, they are pretty inappropriate. But you know, you got to wonder. Like, uh, there's people like you and me who understand that the joke is inappropriate, <laughs> but you still laugh at it because it's funny, right? Right. Um, what do you think separates people like us from people who don't find that kind of stuff funny? Where, where, where is the? Uh, what is it that makes us this way? An interesting question, man. Um, you know, that's I, you know what you know. What's interesting is there seems to be kind of a polarity at work in, in the world. In that, 
you know, people outside of the horror field of horror, when they think of people who create horror, probably have this perception that we're all very just, you know, these maniacs, you know what I mean? That we all, we're all very dark and, and somber and, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. the opposite, that's, that couldn't be farther from the truth. 99% of the people, who, horror writers or bankers that I've met are like jovial and, and positive and, and loving and caring and kind and, and, you know, and gregarious and optimistic. And, you know, so mm-hmm. for whatever reason, our subconscious imaginations expel out all this dark sludge and what's left behind is this like really positive optimism. Whereas comedians, uh, it, without, you know, I mean, obviously this is a generation, but for a reason, tend to be somewhat depressive. Um, yeah. They get out all, you know, they're happy, they, they kind of, um, you know, give out all their happiness on stage and then in their personal lives. They're, 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 they're what horror off, you know what I mean? They're, they're moody and <laughs> yeah. depressed, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, there, there's that polarity at work that horror authors just tend to be able to kind of make light of any situation. You know, that's kind of our job is to cast a light in the cavern. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. going to the dark place and, and shine a light, you know? Yeah. Um, and there is no more healing light than laughter, I don't think. So I think that's some of it. Um, I also think it's probably people that are, I don't know this, but I, I don't know what your history is like if you faced any sort of like hardships or tragedies. I mean, everyone has, so it's just yeah. a, a matter of degree. But the more familiar you are, familiar you are with that, I think sometimes you're not as afraid of it, so you can kind of make fun of it. I think the first sign of healing is when you're able to laugh at something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, what do you think? Uh, You know, I I kind of agree with you. Uh, I think uh, one thing I like to say is, like, as horror writers, uh, we've sort of looked into the abyss, and instead of having it shatter our minds like we would maybe with our characters, uh, we laughed. (laughs) Right. And, uh, you know, like, uh, the one thing I, I would say that mental illness is probably kind of rampant through, uh, uh, you know, the arts as well as uh, comedians. But you're right about the horror writers, because, like, I, I know a bunch of horror writers from Toronto, and uh, they're, they're great fun to, to talk with, because they're just, as you say, they're, they're happy, they're jovial, they'll do things for you, even though they just met you. Um, it's it's a it's a great community. It is. It's a weird dynamic. It's straight and it's very universal. And, and, and no, I, I clearly um, would agree that I think uh, you know mental illness disorders are rampant throughout all creative arts. Um, I I think almost like a personality type uh, yeah. or archetype with comedians, where you get like the uh, the grumpy uh, right. the guy who's right. gonna like trash his room because he wasn't given <laughs> strawberries, right. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, it's just a different. It's just a different dynamic. Yeah. Uh, um, so let's talk about your novel. Uh, we are monsters. Um, speaking of movies, uh, I've heard that this one has been optioned. Is that true? It is. Yeah, uh, it is true. Yeah, um, which was incredibly surprising. You know, that's it's, that that book is just. You know, it's my debut novel, and it's been a wild, uh, just kind of series of circumstances, and that the book just was kind of charmed, it, like. I went out and in the way, you know, I, I, I live in Atlanta. Uh, I, when I sold it, I flew out to the world horror convention in Portland in 2014 for a 10 minute meeting with Don Diaria, who I, who was my preferred editor 
mm-hmm. to, to pitch it to. And he bought it, you know, like, so it's like almost every step along the way is just, is, is just, you know, it's just been kind of charmed. Um, let's see, you know, it was published July of 2015 and optioned in November of wow. the same year. So, um, you know, and it was, it was just a series of, of kind of coincidences that got it in the hands of, of a producer who I, I struck up a rapport with and we ended up getting the deal done. Um, yeah, there, you know, there, so it, the, the producer, there's two. The, the chief producer is this guy named Jason Schumann, whose um, kind of recent credits include uh, Lone Survivor starring Mark Wahlberg. Okay, did, yeah. uh, that's a good World movie. Wahlberg. Yeah, well, I actually didn't see it, but I'm, I was very familiar with it. I mean, it's a, it's a real movie, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, uh, it's, it's very brutal. Yeah. Uh, he did uh, Role Models with Paul Rudd. He did uh, The Messengers with, um, uh, I think it's Kirsten Stewart. Okay. Um, so he's very active in making movies, and you know. And then, so I went to school out in in uh, on the West Coast for two years. So I have a lot of friends in the entertainment industry. And um, hold on, real quick, I got my dog scratching going on. Sure. Sorry. Hold on. Um, oh, and uh, so so I currently have some connections to screenwriters who have expressed interest, and I don't know that I can reveal that, but they would bring some notoriety to the project that I think would help get it um, funded. So that's all in development right now, and hopefully will come through. These you know these things I don't, you know I keep my um, expectations grounded because very few of these get made, but. Yeah, um, it's still been exciting, you know. And, and, and to be honest, it was helpful from a um, from a professional standpoint. It, it, that that having that option, I think, really helped me land an agent, and you know, and just bring more attention to the book in general. So yeah, well, I was gonna say um, uh, with your debut novel, you uh, you got a Bram Stoker nomination for uh, best new novel, and you got the thing optioned for a movie. And I was like, this is one hell of a welcome. <laughs> to the community, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think you've landed, and <laughs> it's been wild, man. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, I expect you know because not only I mean, it, so it's my debut, you know, my first novel to be published, but it's also the first novel I ever wrote. In in writing it, I, um, I mean, the last I didn't even I didn't really write it with the expectation that it would be published, that yeah. I'd even submit for publication. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really, my only goal when I you know, when I when I opened the doc, the document for the first time was to learn how to write a book from beginning to end. I'd been writing short, pu- writing and sh- uh, publishing short stories for about six years up until that time. Yeah. Um, but this is a whole different beast, and it 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 it, 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 I mean, it almost broke me down. You know what I mean? But so so anyway, just uh, a long winded way of saying I, I've been very surprised and pleased by. Um, you know, by everything that's happened since. Yeah, you should be. Um, can you tell us what We Are Monsters is about? And sure. How you, and how you came to write it? Yeah. Uh, the general premise for We Are Monsters, um, there's kind of a, a brilliant psychiatrist whose brother is uh, a schizophrenic. It, it, it's what kind of drove him into psychiatry. He kind of longed to find a cure or find a way to help treat his brother. Um, and he, when the uh, book begins. He's developed an experimental drug that is in um, kind of clinical trial phase, uh, and he loses his funding for the uh, for the drug. So, kind of on his own, he continues to make kind of manipulate it and make changes to the formula 
uh, in hopes that he can kind of, you know, uh, reignite interest amongst, uh, um, you know, pharmaceutical companies. And some of those tinkering uh, create side effects that cause people's kind of inner demons and prior traumas to manifest out from their subconscious into the material realm where they have to face them, um, you know, and confront them head on. Cool. Uh, so that's the general premise, but it also kind of creates this, it almost like sucks the whole, um, er, you know, them and everyone around them almost into into a realm where everyone's inner demons and prior traumas kind of manifest. And it really becomes more of a story about the doctors and some of the repressed traumas that they have in their lives and some of the kind of un, you know, documented psychosis that they face that they it's more about the doctors having to overcome their inner demons than it is the patients having to to deal with what they have going on yeah um so so what, that's kind of it what, what was the uh, genesis to writing this uh mental illness you know kind of as you it's just something so so you know for my whole life i i have a, a obsessive compulsive disorder mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily the type that requires me to like tap the light switch a thousand times you know what i mean although i have you know i mean that's that's an aspect of it it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's more of like uh you know heightened anxiety I'm, I'm prone to depression you know what i mean i have like these negative th- any you know negative thought patterns it's just right. been something i've dealt with my whole life so it's it's um you know it's very near and dear to me and it's it i'm also fascinated by 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 extreme cases of mental illness you know what i mean it's just altered states of consciousness i i'm fascinated by our society's uh, determination of what mode of consciousness is normal and which is abnormal, mm-hmm. and and how we make those judgments and the way you know. So it just the more I thought about it, the more complex it became to me, and the more I wanted to explore it. And and it's also coupled with a fascination I have for psychedelics. So the the central ingredient that this doctor uses in his experimental drug is a compound called uh, dimethyltryptamine. Mm-hmm. Uh, more commonly known as DMT, which is the most um, psychedelic compound known to mankind. We actually produce it in our in our own minds, hmm. um, and in, in 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 current like there, there are actually a bunch of, of there's like a renaissance in in, in the field of psychology and, and psychiatry right now where where they're bringing they're 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 re they're they're understanding the therapeutic uses of some of these psychedelics. Yeah, that's true. Actually, so, I've been reading articles. Lately, that say the uh, the ingredient that is the hallucinatory part of uh, magic mushrooms yep. uh, can actually fight depression and other mental illnesses. Yeah, psilocybin. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, um, so anyway, it was just like kind of merging these different areas of fascination into one just crazy story. <laughs> That's um, awesome, though, because uh, I'm a writer too. It's a part of the reason why I do the podcast. Um, because, well, honestly, this whole thing's been awesome because I get to talk to people like you who are like-minded. Uh, the town I live in, uh, there's, like, nobody like me in this town, you yeah. know what I mean? But, um, uh, I, like you, uh, I suffer from, uh, chronic depression. Yep. And, uh, anxiety disorder and a little yep. bit of OCD as well. Um, and it, that's one thing I struggle with because my stories tend to be fantastical, uh, completely different from my experience. Uh, I, I tend to write like 
in other worlds, in a sense, if that makes sense. Uh, that's mm-hmm. completely alien to mine, but I want to tackle uh, the idea of mental illness, and I just can't seem to capture it. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's because I just have trouble writing biographical stuff. Uh, I, I get bored, <laughs> and it just mm-hmm. ends. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do know what you mean. Yeah, I, I, I tend to... I. I, I don't know that I write autobiographically, but I, I do write, I like to explore the things that, that are close to me and that fascinate me through my lens of experience, even though I'm not writing about myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe I got to take that approach to it. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm trying too close to keep the material close, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I I think yeah. If you shifted your perspective, if you if you kind of distanced yourself from it, but brought what you know to it, yeah, that that could help. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, so in your uh, bio, it says that uh, that you're working currently working on uh, book two of a of a trilogy. Is uh, we are monsters book one, or is this unpublished stuff? No, it's a completely uh, separate project, and I actually need to update that because I'm actually currently working on something uh, different than that. So, um, We Are Monsters came out July of last year. Actually, before it was released, I had completed uh, my second novel, which is the first in a planned trilogy. It's more of a dark sci-fi thriller, mm-hmm. um, and I, I solicited agents. You know, I, I queried agents, you know, uh, to help uh, represent that book. And landed one, I guess, November of this year. Cool. Um, it, we just sent it out on submission about a month ago. Um, but in the meantime, under his, you know, and I was, you know, I'm maybe 25,000 words into the second book because I just started, you know, I didn't have anything else to do. And I just started to, you know, pop forward. And he kind of encouraged me to, to, to tackle a different project while we wait to see what happens with that. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. It's another project that I've had. Actually, we got a, a call, fortunately, from from another publisher who was asking if we had any ideas to share, and we pitched some ideas. And then they at, they requested a manuscript based on a proposal. So, um, so we're just kind of trying to track that down while we wait to hear back on the other novel. Well, that's awesome. Um, I think it's clear that uh, you have uh, you have, as I said earlier, you have landed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to. Well, I bought your book when I first approached you, uh, just last week to to for the interview, um, and uh, I wanted to have most of it read by now. But you know, life always gets in the way, especially when you have kids. <laughs> and so I'm only like a couple chapters in. But what from what I've read, I, I really enjoy it so far, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, to what you're going to produce in the future. Uh, so is that what you're working on right now? Is that trilogy mainly, or are you, are you doing that other thing? No, my current day to day is this is this new project. Um, you know, yeah, I, I'm kind of superstitious about giving. Um, yeah, to, you don't have to give any details. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm about. Uh, in fact, I'm today. I almost reached thirty nine thousand words on a new on this on this new work in progress. You know, again, based on kind of a, a request from a proposal we sent, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun. But yeah, the, the trilogy. So the first book's done. You know, we're looking to, um, and it's not. It's not so much. It's dark. I mean, it's definitely got darkness to it. But it's not a uh, technically a horror book. I would call it, call it more in the vein of like a Philip K. Dick type. Um, okay, yeah. Story. I love um, Philip K. Dick. 
Yeah, I mean, me, you know, again, I, I, I always, I love his, he just, he's so trippy. You know what I mean? Yeah, very much so. <laughs> a lot of my stuff is kind of, you know, except for the story in Gutted kind of has altered consciousness and, you know, what's real and, and those type of themes kind of play into it. Um, one little teaser about the, the, the uh, sci-fi thriller trilogy that I'm writing. So it takes place, I won't give, you know, go into it too much, but basically it takes place in a near future world where the um, where virtual reality technology has become completely integrated into our current society you know which which is right around the corner I mean, is, that's, that's, yes. that's clearly coming um, and and so what I thought was interesting is while most of the novel takes place in kind of our material consensus reality um, there are obviously scenes where they they go into these virtual realms and I thought wouldn't it be cool if when the characters go into these virtual realms, if the reader goes in there with them and experiences the scene where the action takes place, mm. um, literally in, in a virtual environment, the virtual environment in which the, the, the scene occurs. So what took us so long between November and just a month ago when we submitted it out is I've been on a tour talking to some you know all of the or a bunch of the uh, large uh, virtual reality production studios, mm-hmm. figuring out the logistics of getting these scenes produced as virtual reality content, and how to go about kind of integrating virtual reality content into a, a the the application of a novel, so that you'd be reading it, you would get to know the the characters, kind of the setting, the central conflict that would you know live within the eye of your imagination, but then you can actually go into that eye of imagination and, and experience the scene in, 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 its, in its virtual you know, setting. Yeah. So I'm kind of real, I've gotten really excited about that idea. Um, yeah, actually it got me excited too, and that's why I was laughing, because I was like, you know what you ought to do? You really ought to patent that idea. <laughs> Because you know what? somebody, you know somebody with the money is going to come along, and they're going to make you very rich. But <laughs> we, we've already—I appreciate that. The reason I don't mind even putting it out there is because we ran into so many of those issues. I was talking to patent attorneys. I was talking to all this. And the thing is, is while I I have a trademark of my story, um, you can't really patent that as an idea. Oh, um, no. That's too. Bad. No, you know, because I asked about it. And to be honest, uh, the one of the first um, companies I spoke with. This is guy, the guy was just kind of like a software uh, entrepreneur, and uh-huh. that was his response. He's like, dude, I'm going to create a business model around this. Um, you know, uh, and we got really tied up in the, in the, the, the wording of our, um, of our, like, confidentiality clause. Uh-huh. And he was like, you know, I, I'll make you a stakeholder of the company. Like, you know, so, so it's definitely a big idea. It's clearly going to happen. And it's not as revolutionary as, it, as, as I thought it was or it may sound. I mean, New York Times has already um, created, like, integrated virtual content with their news stories. They sent out, like, a million um, Google Glasses to their subscribers. And so, I mean, this is this is happening. Yes. Um, you know, but, but the good news is, is I have a novel that's queued up and ready to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So if, if someone, you know, thinks this is a neat idea... They still have to write a book. Yeah. And, and they're going to look back at, at your book when all this stuff does hit, and they're going to be like, man, that guy knew what he was thinking about, you know, back then. <laughs> Let's hope, man. We'll see. If not, you know, there's 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 other, you know, interesting things to... I mean, yeah, I'm kind of in this this place where I'm, I'm... 
I'm fascinated about trying to take the story, uh, you know, bring the story out from beyond the page. I want I want to kind of have a story that immerses a person while they're while they're reading it. So not so much immersing them in their imagination, but bringing the story out from the book and enveloping them in the story in weird ways. You know, what I mean, yeah. almost like augmenting their reality um, in, in in different kind of innovative you know so, so my new project has to deal with that <laughs> uh, so i don't know i don't yeah i don't know where why i'm, I'm going down this 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 track but it, it's it's just it's where my imagination has taken me for whatever reason well you know it's uh, you got to follow uh you got to follow your gut and uh i think uh i don't know i'm excited to read those books they sound fascinating um <laughs> so do you have do you have anything uh, that's coming out soon? Any short stories? Anything like that? No, the, the last um, you know. So I have this thing in gutted. Um, I have a couple of things out on submission, so hopefully they'll hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this novel, I'll, I'll be on submission. So um, no, I don't have any um, scheduled releases. Um, but this gutted thing's been been awesome. I mean, <laughs> I'm definitely the most obscure author in that book. I mean, you know, the the the, the table of contents is ridiculous on that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then to have kind of, I mean, I, so I, I'm not the type that really likes to write to a um, theme or like, or, or, or shoehorn a story, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I yeah. like for them to happen organically. And I just happened upon, I think, the right story at the right time for the right venue yeah. and people really connecting with it. And, and I think I, it was kind of the nice timing giving the company that story uh, is mixed up with, you know what I mean? It's gotten a lot more attention than it probably other would have otherwise, and it just feels like it was the right story for the right time. So yeah, it's, been it's nice. definitely a, a good choice, and uh, it's got to feel good being in such a an esteemed anthology. Um, I mean, you have your 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 name is beside Clive Barker's, Neil Gaiman's, Ramsey Campbell, uh, Mercedes M. Yard. I mean the the list really just goes on and on, like like you said, right? Uh, but that, that that's got to be exciting on its own. It's surreal, yeah. you know what I mean. I don't even know that's exciting. It's just surreal, you know what I mean. It's like um, you know, you you get into this because you love doing it, and then you you know, I mean, it, it, the only reason you would start submitting work, I think, is if you have an innate belief that you you know in your abilities. And, and, you know, and then there's that, that, like, just determination. But, I mean, yeah, that's the ultimate goal is, is, is you know, you, you hope that you have the chops to hang with these type of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, so ultimately to kind of get this far, yeah, it's, it's, it's just bizarre. It just feels like, it, don't, it just feels strange. Yeah, it's, uh, it, oh, I'm really happy for you. And, uh and I, I wish you a lot of success in the future. So uh, tell me, where can listeners find you online if they want to uh, uh, look you up and talk about some uh, uh, some of your twisted concepts? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, website is uh, briankirkfiction.com. Uh, Twitter is brian underscore kirk. And uh, Facebook, you just find me on, uh, at, you know, I think there's a bunch of Brian Kirks, hopefully. I'm the long-haired bearded face guy with twins <laughs> it's funny because uh 
after I read your story, I was like, I got to talk to this guy for the show, right? And so I went <laughs> on Facebook and uh, I looked you up, and I'm like, oh, we're already friends. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? Yeah, that's the way it works. So, I just, so you're what? Hey, I was going to say, so um, so you're up in Toronto, right? Uh, I'm near Toronto. I'm about an hour, hour and a half north of Toronto. Do you ever make it in for conventions or anything like that? Yeah, actually, I was just at the uh, Ad Astra a couple of months ago. Okay. Um, I missed the Rue Morgue, which was uh, just this past weekend. And uh, I'm hoping to go to uh, uh, the Festival of Fear in uh, the beginning of September. And there's a newer sort of horror-themed uh, convention that happens in October I'm hoping to make it to. Right I forget on. the name of it, though. It's something horror, anyway. Horror... Uh, I can't remember, Christ. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, um, that was how I got into gutted was just through you know having conversations with people at conventions. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I couldn't encourage that enough for people who are aspiring to. Oh to yeah, write. I love going to conventions. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we, we, kind of like you're saying. I mean, I think it's pretty rare to find other people who feel compelled to write horror fiction. I mean, yeah. it's so obscure. It's, you know what I mean. So when you when you kind of find like the the people you know what I mean, have that same calling. It's it, it's very much like a uh, like a you know a family type tribe like you know coming together. So yeah, there's one thing I forgot to ask you that I ask everybody who's new on the show. So I'm just going to put it out here now before we go. Um, who did you read growing up? Who are, who would you say influenced you the most into writing what you write? Um, you know what? I mean, so growing up, it was it was really Stephen King and Dean Koontz. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, those were, you know Dan some Dan Simmons, um, but Stephen King and Dean Koontz were were my two mainstays. Really, up until through college, even. I mean, I was really limited in my in in who I read. Yeah. Um, and I would say my 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 writing has really blossomed since I've expanded out beyond. Obviously, not just the two of them, but the horror genre in general. Um, to be honest, I don't. I don't. I don't read much horror right now. I always, you know, I I, I always have something. You know, what I mean, I'll, I'll read several titles throughout the year, um, but I try and read outside the genre more than I do in, and I find that that helps influence. You know, you, you kind of said you enjoyed the prose of that story, mm-hmm. which was very influenced by people outside the genre. Not yeah. to say that there's some gorgeous lyrical. It was you know, very. Uh, it was very crap. literary. It felt very literary without necessarily being literary, if that makes any sense. Because uh, just actually, it kind of reminded me of like Tim O'Brien. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his works at yeah, all. Totally. Yeah, um, um, a little bit of that, anyway. Well, so um, and I know we got to go soon, so I'll, I'll wrap up. But yeah, um, you know, I didn't learn. My, I didn't find my voice until I wrote "We Are Monsters," okay. and in in the voice that I found is one that that. Uh, has a little bit of that dark humor, but it's also one that I think I try and, and stay out of the way a little bit because um, my uh, my inclinations earlier on were, were to make every sentence like uh, a, a stanza from a poem. You know what I mean, like I wanted every sentence to be a piece of art. Yeah. <laughs> and what I found was that it was cumbersome to read. So and it's also very so, cumbersome to write. <laughs> right. Well, actually, I didn't mind it. I really enjoyed it. It was yeah. kind of like. The acrobatics, you know what I mean? It just it felt it was fun to 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 do that. I just and I still get off on those sentences. I just I force myself not to write them. Yeah. In fact, I force myself to write 
not pedestrian, but um, plain a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I, it's easier to read, and I think it's more absorbing. Yeah, I like it when something poetic or beautiful comes out naturally rather than trying to force it myself anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one of the best quotes I ever heard was, when you write to impress, it'll be bad. When you write to express, it'll be good. Yeah. That's just what I can follow. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. I, uh, I'm always surprised at how well I get along with the people who come on this show. It's like I make a new friend every time I have a guest. <laughs> I feel likewise, man. We need, I, you know, that's why I asked you about these conventions. We need to meet. I'd like to hang out. Yeah, and have a beer or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, you, you live on the same uh, time zone, so it could very well happen. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, tell Michael he missed out. Yeah, he's uh, sorry that he couldn't uh, make it. I guess his phone died or something. I don't know. But uh, that happens, you know. I mean, uh, yeah. that's the world we live in. <laughs> All right, so i got to have you again on the show um, next time you have something coming out. Or even if you just want to shoot the shit, join in on a conversation. We'll have you back on the show. I love it. Hey, thank you so much for our reach out to me. I, I really appreciate this, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, no problem. All right, so uh, that was uh, that was a pretty cool show. I, I liked it from the beginning, and I, well, I obviously enjoyed the Brian Kirk interview because uh, he was a lot of fun to talk to. But I enjoyed uh, discussing the news and that because uh, I think we uh, covered a lot of uh, horror ground, especially in the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, lots of good, lots of great material, lots of uh, things coming up, and looking to the past. I am, I, I do have to say. Officially, I am so upset that I missed Brian Kirk's interview. Like, like we hinted at in the beginning of the show, I did have some technical difficulties, so I couldn't join in. Yeah. But uh, man, what a what a great writer! What a great guy! Yeah, he's awesome. And uh, uh, you know, th- that's one thing I really like about this show is that I keep running into awesome people, which is so cool. It's nice that we horror authors are are, inter- are, are generally nice people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. So if you want to get a hold of us, um, you can reach out. It's easy to do. I invite you to send us an audio clip of your uh, of yourself uh, discussing any of the topics we've talked about. You can send that to darknessdwells74 at gmail.com. Or you can just write a, a regular email. doesn't matter. Um, you can reach us on Facebook. There's a page you can like, which is at www.facebook.com slash where darkness dwells there's also a uh, facebook group that uh, has some activity going on it and uh, uh, you can visit us at our website which is where darkness dwells.com and you can reach us on twitter which is at darkdweller 74 I think I covered them all there sounds like it and so yeah please do uh, also uh, please rate and review wherever you listen to us because that helps us when you rate and review us the more people who do that the more willing your service provider is uh, uh, to share us and our show to other people so uh, so please rate and review and uh, I think I think that's it thanks for listening everybody what a great show it was a lot of fun until next time Stay dark, my friend. Stay dark, Stay dark indeed. indeed.